You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European-level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode number 81. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show is my co-host, Yelena Levin. See ya! Ah, всем привет! It's just me and Andras. So... He's in Italy, having a good time. Mm, yeah, hopefully. Talking about Italy, <laughs> it's a funny thing that we've already announced that James Rendy would be a guest at Chickup Fest, but uh, Chickup itself officially just announced it. The reason for that was that uh, we have a bit of an um, inside communication with uh, several European organizations, and uh, Massimo mm. Polidoro did come up with uh, the idea of uh, of having James Rendy as a guest as at several several uh, locations, but then Randy would not necessarily be able to do all of those. So this is this is how he'll end up doing actually two gigs, if I may say so. One of them will be at the European Skeptics Congress uh, in Wroclaw, and then he will go on to Italy and appear at Chicup Fest um, in Cesena. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, it is. And if I'm lucky enough, then uh, I will see him at both locations. <laughs> you'll be you'll be his personal stalker. <laughs> uh, well, I'll try not to be that. What else? Oh, oh, uh, we've just been offered an opportunity to speak, uh, Susan and I. Amazing. Tell us about this. Yeah, I know. I know. I did mention it on the last last episode, but uh, now it seems much more likely to actually happen. So if all goes well, we're going to Göttingen which is in the middle of Germany uh, after the, the European Skeptics Congress. Yeah, we are uh, scheduled to give a talk, both of us, and uh, then just hang out with local skeptics. So really looking forward to that one. That's well done, guys. That's very exciting. Yeah, we've, got, we've only got a couple, of other, a couple of more days afterwards to, to spend somewhere and to, to visit other places and other, other skeptics if uh, the, there is any interest in uh, having us around uh, in any of the Central European countries. Uh, so if anyone is up for it, then please get in touch. And um, you can do so by either emailing us. Our email address is info at theesp.eu or you can uh, tweet at us. Uh, the Twitter handle is at esp podcast underscore eu or you can go on our website which is theesp.eu and fill in the contact form um, and of course you can follow us on facebook and send us messages through facebook as well um, and if you do get our podcast via itunes uh, please rate us and leave us a review and we also have a donate button on our website as well if you feel generous and would like to support our work uh, it will be greatly appreciated yeah and um, there are several things that you can contact us with um, if you have an organization or uh, or uh, an event to promote then feel free to get in touch uh, because we would love to hear from you and we would love to help you so yeah do get in touch and uh, this is what happened when um, the evidence matters eu event happened 
and beforehand uh, I was working together with uh, with uh, Sense About Science in getting a, a couple more testimonials last minute and uh, turned out it was a very not not because of, of of my contribution but it was a very very successful event uh, more than a hundred people appeared and uh, there were MEPs and uh, there were there were people from all over Europe uh, giving testimonials about why evidence matters to them and uh, they just released um, a very nice uh, video of uh, of the event so uh we will put it among the show notes so that everyone can can uh, watch it and it's actually available on our uh, facebook page and uh, twitter account as well so we we did share it along the way so yeah do check it out great stuff yeah because it's very very good stuff and please if if you feel like it and if you know who your mep is which i don't think many people do actually do you? Mm, no, I don't. Well, I don't. <laughs> yeah, so I think there are only a, a really a, a few people uh, among us who know, who who do know uh, who our mm. our um, MEPs are. Uh, but yeah, do send them. Uh, do send them an email with this uh, email uh, with this link because uh, it it might be useful for them. It might be it might open up their eyes to to what's what's out there. To follow and um, and to to keep an eye out for. But even though there is only the two of us, I think uh, we should uh, crack on with our regular. Let's do this segmented episode, right? Okay, so let's do that. To start with, as always, I'd like to ask you to um, let us know uh, what happened this week in skepticism. Yes. Um, on July the 14th, in 1951, a Forestry Commission employee uh, named Lachlan Stewart took a picture of mysterious humps rising from the loch in Scotland. Is it Loch Ness, that, that loch? Well, so that he then claimed to have been a Loch Ness monster. Um, over 20 years later, researchers visited the spot where the picture has been taken and realized that the hams would have been in extremely shallow water close to the shore, meaning that the Stuart's monster must have been very, very flat indeed. And confirming their suspicion, um, the author Richard uh, Freire later revealed that Stuart indeed confessed to him personally that the hams were nothing more than uh, bales of hay covered with uh, Tarpaulins, which is like a just a cover, um, and that was indeed a hoax picture, uh, of which we know there are many of, especially the Loch Ness mon- monster. There have been many pictures over the years. Many pe- many people claimed to have seen Loch Ness monster. Uh, if uh, we believe the BBC article, over a thousand people claim to have seen it um, since it was first photo- photographed, and I'm saying in photographed in commas, inverted commas, 75 years ago, first time. And it's a you know fascinating thing. People want to believe in this monster living in this lake, um, and uh, there were rep- a reproduction of what it might look like with a long neck, etc. But of course, uh, the scientific consensus of today says that Loch Ness monster is just a folklore, and there's no biological basis um, or evidence. Um, explaining the existence and um, a lot of the photographs were debunked 
and could be proven to be hoaxes. Mm. Uh, so um, then it's just a wishful thinking. But it's a very persistent myth, isn't it? It it mm-hmm. it's kind of re- rears its head <laughs> uh, now and again, <laughs> That's and you a can. Good one. He, yeah, you can see an article uh, popping up in a, in, a, in a newspaper now and again, and you go, oh, yeah, I've forgotten about that. Um, I myself never been to Loch Ness uh, before. before. Uh, I'd love to visit all the lakes, actually, in Scotland, but I've never ma- managed. So. Uh, By the way, Loch means lake in... Uh... Yes, okay. of course. Yeah, okay. so it's like, it's, it's like a, a lake lake, mm-hmm. when I say yeah, lake. And but, but, uh, Ness, Ness is the, the actual name of the lake, so like Lake Ness yeah. is... Would, would, L- lake Ness, yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. But it would be nice just to go there and see what like the fuss about and what what is it about this place that kind of incites this this wishful thinking of monsters and why would people care about that stuff like that anyway? But there you go, and that's what happened many many years ago. So that's like over that's seventy years ago now. Well, I would love to see the Scottish uplands anyway. So because Scotland is so beautiful, it is indeed. It's one of my favorite places on earth. By the way, have you heard that uh, the uh, Edinburgh Skeptics just announced the the lineup of speakers for the for the Skeptics in the Fringe? No, wow, what I a didn't. lineup! Do check it out; it's amazing. Uh, I will indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll link it in the note, show notes as well. For, oh, for definitely. Those yeah, yeah, sure, sure, of course. Excellent, excellent. Okay, wonderful. Um, do, do you know Do you know where I saw the first? pictures and and the story itself about the Loch Ness Monster. Do tell. Do you know the book Atlas of the Supernatural? No, I've never heard of it. Oh, that I'm was, not surprised it exists. When I was when I was like 12 or something, yeah. between my age of 10 and 12, uh, that was kind of my Bible. So I... So, do, hold on, did you believe I did. in it? I did. I did. I did believe everything. Oh. The, the poltergeists, uh, the Loch Ness Monster, uh, the ghosts, oh, no. UFOs. I was right. trying to communicate with UFOs. Um, so I was... How did that go? How did that I go? was flashing, flashing a, a lamp just... To, <laughs> Like in the sky, yeah, yeah. Like towards, try to get like, towards. Yeah, I, I looked up the the star that that was mentioned in the book, and I was flashing the the, the small light, <laughs> the torch, toward that that actual star. So, this is how how my my interest in astronomy started, and and then I became an amateur astronomer. <laughs> well, look how how far you've come, eh? Oh yeah. Yeah. But this is how it started, so it, it, it yeah. intrigued me, absolutely. Well, there you go, the curiosity took better of you and uh, yeah. it actually led you on the right path at the end. So Yeah. I don't really remember if I've ever believed in Loch Ness Monster. I think I like, to. some people, yeah, some people I really kind of wanted to because it's mm. like a mystical, mis- mystery creature, mm-hmm. uh, almost like a dinosaur, like a dinosaur that survived, the only one after all the dinosaurs mm-hmm. disappeared. Mm-hmm. But actually... Why? <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Anyways, so there you go. There you have. Yeah, it. it somehow it somehow combines all the interests that that a, a, a little kid can have, and and it's so exciting. And cryptozoology in in, in general is so exciting exciting because of that, is because it brings up everything that interests you, and and it's so intriguing. You just can't help it. Amazing! Thank you very much. I really love the fact mm. that you came up with that. <laughs> no, I, I I really like when I come across like these little events that mm. happen and and it's all kind of comes together. So yeah, brilliant. Thank you very much, Yolanda. Pleasure. And that means that we are ready to move on to our news items. Let's start with Germany. Well, I still haven't made up my mind actually uh, regarding 
the way I want to react to this piece of news. Okay. Uh, because they're in. Do you wanna do you wanna cry or do you wanna laugh? Yeah, some something in between. Because <laughs> obviously, if someone dies, that's a, just a terrible, sad thing, right? But on the other hand, this man has been out there causing a lot of harm and damaging people's lives with with his quackery and and his madness and now he's gone so rika gerd hammer who's the the inventor of new germanic medicine is dead apparently okay yeah um, um presumably newly dead i mean recently uh, recently yeah the uh, july the 2nd and interestingly the cause of death according to some sources was given as stroke yeah obviously he he was not a fighting stroke he was providing cancer cure so somehow apparently he was not uh, equipped against stroke what kind of cancer cure he was offering no he he was uh, germanic new medicine was was the actual system that he came up with his own laws of nature the five laws of nature so called and uh, and then when when he started to provide people with the with the he's he's made up kind of stuff and gave advice to people and based on his advice people uh refused to go through uh conventional methods of fighting cancer when his uh, license uh, to practice medicine f- was revoked i think it was uh, for malpractice but then his uh, followers still refer to him as doctor dr hammer i think things like that reinforce the followers even more yeah. ah so he his licenses got uh, revoked ah well that's the establishment yeah. and we'll have to fight again fight against the establishment let's you know he's pr- probably really good so let's continue following him it's you know again like this backfire Okay. He he Crap. was convicted in several European countries. So his last place, I think, where he he actually died was uh, Norway. But he was originally from Germany, and then he moved on to Austria. Uh, Austria, and uh, the first actual case that someone died was it was an Italian person, and then he went on to to Austria and and places like that. But uh, the interesting part of this was uh, the, the how how our minds work, uh, the the skeptic's mind, how how it works. I came across this news, this piece of news, on the the blog of Gewilpe the German Skeptical Society. Mm. And they reported on the on him passing away, but they added that it's not confirmed yet. So there was a bit of a doubt there. And then more and more uh, sources, reliable sources, did actually confirm it. And the last one to confirm was uh, uh, Hammer's own Facebook page. So, and uh, let me let me just... Um, read it up uh, what they wrote oh, with great pain and deep sorrow we have to say goodbye to doc- Dr. Rika Gerd Hammer as we learned today Gerd died on July the 2nd 2017 at the age of 82 the world loses with him the discoverer of the five biological laws of nature a passionate doctor and brilliant scientist a fierce champion for the truth and a true friend of all people well, so how? Yeah, I don't think so we agree was, on that. <laughs> nobody else discovered those law, five laws apart from him. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's the case. Special. Yes. A bit like very, this guy. The, a bit like this guy with golden plates. Do you remember him? 
Mm. I think his name was Joseph Smith. Oh, by the way, he did get uh, Ger, uh, uh, Rika Gerhama did get the, the golden plate uh, from Gebe Upe. You know what the golden plate is, that, that uh, um, no. mocking kind of award. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was his, his latest achievement. But he's gone now. Let's give him his, uh, his due mourning, but uh, then let's move on. And we're moving on to France, uh, where vaccines are being made compulsory. So parents are legally obliged to vaccinate their kids from 2018. Um, The government has made this announcement recently uh, in light of the uh, spread of the measles um, throughout the country. Um, And the prime minister noted that it's unacceptable that children at this day and age are still dying of measles. um, And... In the country where actually some some of the earlier earliest vaccines were pioneered, I, I didn't know that about France, but there you go. Louis Pasteur, yeah. Yes, of course, of course, um, and uh, it's great because we talked about uh, uh, some progress that been made in Italy um, and now France and other countries will probably follow. Yeah. Um, uh, so and kids who don't have vaccination, I mean, obviously they can't police everyone, and if parents choose not to vaccinate, their kids will not be participating in a. Uh, pub, you know, pub, like public schools and uh, nurseries, etc. So be, they'll be taken away from from the uh, big gatherings of kids, which is which is mm-hmm. what needed to pre- protect um, vulnerable. Um, the World Health Organization has warned of major measles outbreaks that spreads across Europe, uh, despite the availability of safe and effective vaccines mm-hmm. um, and then anti-vaccination movements uh, whose followers are known as anti-vaxxers uh, believed to have contributed to low rates of immunization uh, against the highly contagious disease in a number of countries mm-hmm. um, so in fact the recent survey found that more than 3 out of 10 French people don't trust vaccines that's a massive percentage um, with just 52% of participants saying the benefits of vaccination outweighs the risks um, so th- Further in the article, it is mentioned that um, the UK is looking at making it a compulsory as well to vaccinate the kids. I don't know how long it will take. Um, and there is a case study that's that's at the moment uh, is being looked at um, of the pros and cons of making it legal. Um, I can't wait for it, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. And if, if it happens in the next couple of di- a couple of years, I'll be very happy. Um, but yes, so watch this space. Um, I'm sure the other European countries will follow suit. Yeah, hopefully. And you know what? Now is one of those rare moments when I'm actually proud to be Hungarian and proud to be from the country where oh, yeah. there are the, <laughs> yeah, you, the you greatest mentioned. number of uh, oh, compulsory vaccinations. Yeah. yeah. Uh, seven, uh, e- uh, eleven. I think in seven, seven shots, uh, children get eleven vaccines altogether. Yes, that's right. Uh, that's exactly what the, the F- French authorities are also talking about, ma- uh, making all eleven compulsory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. eleven shots. Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, uh, yeah, I meant, I meant in Hungary. So yeah. Yeah. Well, but yeah, go Hungary. <laughs> yes, at least in this. <laughs> <laughs> You can have that, Andres. Oh, you can have oh that. yeah. You oh, know. Yeah. Uh, talking about Hungary, by the way. <laughs> uh, do you remember that uh, that guy who was convicted for uh, for quackery uh, yeah. a couple of months ago? 
and who was actually not not even a doctor he was a he was a veterinarian surgeon and uh he was convicted but he he's on probation and what he does now he um, runs a tv show and yeah, that TV show... Is it a dating TV show? No, no, it's not. <laughs> and yeah, first first he was fined 30, 35 million forints, Hungarian forints, which is about about 100,000 euros for his uh, tea, um, herbal tea kind of thing that he claimed could cure cancer. And this is why Hungarian authorities actually uh, fined him. Yeah, but it, it wasn't a big, a huge problem for him. So he got over that. But then uh, he got this uh, conviction for for quackery and uh, yeah, for uh, misleading uh, cancer patients. And uh, now in his uh, TV show, he's doing the same thing all over again. He is just started uh, a couple of weeks ago. And mm. it's on um, it's on a TV channel that can be accessed all over the country, so it's not widely watched, uh, but it's on it's offered by most of the cable providers. So mm. it's it's I, uh, you can say that it's a nationally available TV channel. Yeah. And uh, he says things like, uh, yeah, let's um, think for about uh, half an hour, an hour a day about our health and uh, our diet um, with specific regards to the, the alkaline diet. Mm. And that he says that every uh, chronic disease is caused by the lack of energy um, and that vitamin C is the most important element in our body, and it, it does everything. Uh, so you can you you only have to eat vitamin C. Uh, negative feelings can cause cancer and uh, and all those chronic illnesses, and so that that kind of stuff. Yeah, terrible yeah. kind of stuff. And he's free to do it. Wow, no one's stopping him. And that is disgusting. I hope not many people will fall for this, but knowing the, the, the level of critical thinking involved. Yeah. And you know what else is, is involved? It's uh, conspiracy theories. So he's yeah. spreading conspiracy theories like crazy. <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah. and really, when you, when you listen to his show, it's like, it's like a Monty Python kind of Sketch, comedy yeah. it's absolutely <laughs> yeah. but it's it's actually not a comedy so he does it no, he does it no. for a living that's why it's so important to teach kids critical thinkings yeah. from the very early age yeah. so they don't fall for stuff like that yeah, yeah. Exactly. but yeah hmm. and in spain on the other hand uh, there is a very valuable international skeptic network resource available that isn't that wildly publicized or known and yet it's been around mm -hmm. for 15 years mm. um, and we ha we will link um, in our show notes to that page um, I had a quick look and uh, I have to say it's very comprehensive it's got all um, international skeptic organizations all european skeptics organizations their websites addresses contact uh, names uh, and it's all documented very nicely and we can always refer to it um or whoever 
wants to get in touch and know more about those organizations can. Um, great little uh, resource for those who are interested. I know that we probably will be using it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, thanks to our skeptics from Spain who um, uh, created it and uh, maintained it for all these years. Uh, it is... This, this network was an idea of Arturo Bosque, who in 2002 uh, made his first version of this list available uh, in uh, journal El Skeptic. Mm -hmm. So there we go. Great. Um, talking about an internationally recognized uh, uh, tool and resource, you must be familiar with uh, the debunking handbook, right? I've heard about it, but I don't think yeah, I've yeah. actually read much about it yet. Yeah, the debunking handbook is a very important resource for all skeptics who try to, to debate other people and try to, to make a change in the way they think. Um, or, or at least kickstart something in their minds um, uh, to, <laughs> to, to do that. Uh, so debunking myths is is a difficult thing, and um, uh, in this little booklet, um, they actually mention. Oh, and why it's an internationally recognized uh, thing, uh, and why I say that is is that it is available in ten European languages, and uh, that is because uh, he's talking about. You're talking about the online resource, the debunking. That's an online de de the resource. It's a, it's yeah. a PDF, um, the debunking handbook, okay. and it's available in, in 10 European languages, right. apart from English. And it's very, very good. Uh, we did it with the, with the Hungarian Skeptic Society, the, the, the Hungarian translation as well, uh, with, with the help of a professional uh, translator. But uh, why I'm mentioning it is because... Um, you know, we, we, we keep praising science and its methodology for, for, for being self-corrective and going through an ongoing development. And uh, this, um, what I'm going to say, uh, talk about is a very illuminating example published on skepticalscience.com. And Skeptical Science is run by, uh, the, uh, partly by those people who, who actually put together the debunking handbook, uh, namely John Cook and uh, Stefan Lewandowski. And uh, they put a great amount of research into writing this debunking handbook. And when they, they wrote it, or most of the things were absolutely up to date and uh, they were very well researched. But it uh, turns out this is a very good example of how science works because it's self-correct. Because they now published an update changing a couple of things with a special regard to the familiarity backfire effect. We've talked about this on the show um, many, 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 many episodes ago. My favorite backfire effect, or <laughs> my my, la my lately favorite backfire effect, because I find myself saying that uh, how, whenever I'm having conversation with anyone. Oh yeah, the backfire effect. Yeah. Are you serious? I like it. Really spoke to me. <laughs> <laughs> so you are actually serious. Yeah. Okay, great. So uh, what it's all about is that uh, when you want to debunk a myth, they said you shouldn't actually mention the original 
claim because it will because of the familiarity uh, in people's minds of of the actual claim it will stick and no matter how how nicely and how properly you you debunk that myth uh, it will still stick around because of its familiarity and now uh, they have come up with a couple of new pieces of research that do alter this notion a bit and it seems that uh, in some laboratory studies the backfire effect has been absent in situations when it was expected to occur and for now they published uh, the page where they talk about on, on the debunking handbook they talk about the familiarity backfire effect uh, they actually published it with uh, with uh, small text boxes correcting what's written in the in the actual handbook. So this is a very nice approach to to your own work that that you don't want to want it just hanging out there. And when the new pieces of research show that it might not always be the case. So how it goes now instead of. The backfire effect is real. It says the backfire effect has been reported in some laboratory studies. <laughs> Although in more recent research, the backfire effect has been absent in several studies. Uh, what they, they still keep as a precautionary uh, advice is that you should probably avoid mentioning the myth unnecessarily while correcting the very myth. So it's, uh, it's changing now. We don't know for sure if it's one or the other, but uh, being cautious can never hurt. Yeah, but also I think the bit of the backfire effect that I was most concerned with wasn't th that particular bit. I was concerned with uh, the reaction. Mm, yeah. That the way that our brain reacts to a claim that the belief that we hold close and dear is wrong. Mm -hmm. So how it actually has the same reaction um, to this to this verbal thing that, that it would have if you'd be physically assaulted because we identify ourselves with our beliefs and we don't want them to be challenged or changed. And that was that was the thing that stuck with me about the backfire effect. But it's interesting, these nuances that you're saying and the uh, new research that's coming out. Yeah, and, and your argument needs to be, needs to be adjusted based on, on, on what the new research shows. And this is the, the good sceptical way of doing things and, and going about doing your stuff. Yeah. So, great. And by the way, Skeptical Science, where I came across this, is a very good web page um, dealing with a lot of topics about global warming and uh, global warming denials in as well. So these guys really know their stuff. Great. Yep. And the last but not least uh, bit of information we wanna, I want to talk uh, about today is to do with... Uh, John Maddox Prize. Mm -hmm. uh, we talked about it last year, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I can't believe it's been a year already <laughs> and we have to talk about it again. So John Maddox Prize recognizes the work of individuals who promote sound science and evidence on matter of public interest, um, who are facing difficulties or hostilities in doing so. Um, so the nominations for this year are now open and they will be open until uh, the end of July. Mm -hmm. uh, we will uh, link to the website where 
uh, individuals can be nominated, and the winner winner of the John Maddox Prize will receive uh, £2,000, and an announcement of the winner it will be published in Nature. So it's a great way to to reward those who seriously risk sometimes their careers, lives and whatever else for spreading the good science and critical thinking. And again, this is in most part the work of Sense about science. Sense about that's right. Aren't they amazing? <laughs> good old. And uh, some some of the people who we had on our show actually were awarded John Maddox Prize. One of whom is Professor Edzard Ernst. Yes, indeed, indeed. So, which we're very proud of, and to be able to say that we interviewed. <laughs> I have met uh, Elizabeth Loftus as well in person. Yes, that's right. And, she was uh, nominated last year. Yes, and uh, I, I did ask her uh, if she wanted to come um, on the show for an interview, um, and uh, she agreed. Um, uh, she was very, very nice. Uh, but unfortunately, we have so many interviews that we want to, to do and run. But now uh, there are these upcoming conferences and congresses and and everything that we would we'd like to deal with in advance. And this is this is why uh, we have to postpone this interview with Elizabeth Loftus. But uh, sooner or later we we're gonna definitely do it. Yeah. So now we're focusing on these upcoming conferences and events, and uh, the speakers at those events will be uh, our primary focus now. Um, yeah in terms of doing interviews and who knows um if if you don't know anyone you would nominate then please uh dear listeners just listen to our interviews with the people we interviewed because those are all superheroes of science and skepticism and this is this is why we that we interviewed them so they they are all people who have done something extraordinary or something very important in the field of skepticism so uh look around um listen to our interviews and who knows you might find someone you would like to nominate you don't have too much time though mm. <laughs> you only gotta, have... gotta act quick yep you only have a bit less than a month so go and do it all right this has been all of our news items i think yep for this week thank you very much let's see what the next segment of our show is since pontus is abroad he is having fun in italy hopefully fun in the sun hopefully <laughs> fun in the sun yeah actually tomorrow morning i'm flying flying out to canada again so um I'm, your we, second we, uh, country your mother country or father country actually i do i do feel like that sometimes yeah i know you love it don't you i do love it i do love it and i'm i'm really hoping this time for for um proper meet up with the local skeptics in ottawa and toronto if if all goes well mm. so but uh focusing on our segment uh so this would be our really wrong segment so let's find out who's been really wrong lately in europe And uh, I'm afraid we have to turn our skeptical eyes towards Turkey. Because uh, as The Guardian reported, and many other news outlets for that matter, the Board of Education in Turkey announced that uh, evolution will no longer be taught in Turkish schools. Yeah, it's outrageous. Uh, I've, I've heard this on the news. 
It's just like ridiculous. Yeah, and the reason for that was given as the subject being debatable, controversial, and too complicated for students. To, to comprehend until they're like old. Uh. <laughs> and um, the worrying part of this is that in recent years, uh, we've seen a couple of examples of this that Turkey is turning into a bit of a, a Middle Eastern Muslim clerical kind of country uh, from the top down. And the leader of that transformation is the president, Erdogan, who, who, who just received the backing of the people uh, with a referendum a couple of months ago, uh, turning out in favor of uh, turning into a presidential system. The parliamentarian uh, system with the prime minister and the, the president uh, will be transformed into a presidential system, giving him more power. But um, the problem with that is that he's a v- very much of an authoritarian p- person. And as part of uh, his attack against the secularist nation, uh, which has been implemented by Mustafa Kemal Atatürk uh, back in the beginning of the, of the, the 20th century, it's being overturned that that whole thing that's been going on for for almost a century and that is very sad but evolution and science seems to be suffering because of mm. that as well mm. yeah it seems to be a pattern and that is that is a ridiculous argument the subject is debatable Psst, the hell it is it's it's <laughs> it's just it's debatable at a certain level so when you're debating the actual details how things happen how things evolve uh what 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 small mechanisms going on there that's that's possibly that's that's debatable because that's science that's how science works but the fact the evolution is a fact it's a well-established fact it's 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 way past the state of being controversial it's not and too complicated for students? That's probably yes. It's 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 nothing else. They just pro- uh, yeah. They just couldn't come up with any other excuse. They just used whatever. Yeah. So I do know for a fact because I, I have taught biology to children. I do know for a fact that they can comprehend the basic idea of evolution. What's not to understand in descent with modification and the survival of whoever is fit enough in a certain environment. That's not a difficult to comprehend kind of idea. Mm. It's it's quite easy when you think about it. Yeah. So that is it's it's very transparent that it's it's happening because of, of that transition. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's nothing to do th- those excuses could have been any other number of things oh, that just oh, yeah, picked, of course, picked, yeah. <laughs> picked to and run with it. Yeah. So I'm a bit scared of what comes out of that. Especially because Turkey Turkey is a huge country with a lot of people and there have been great scientists out there who now need to shut up because they're not going to have any chances to defend their own stance and their own science for that matter. Okay, so for that, this week, the prize for, re- for being really wrong goes to Turkey for uh, denying basic scientific facts and preventing schools from teaching evolution. 
to children. Sad times. Yes, they are. Mm-hmm. But uh, this, is, this is why I think we should uh, listen to a couple of friends of ours um, who who try very hard to, to do something uh, against the, the spreading of pseudoscience and those weird claims and those weird ideas. So now, turning over to them. Hello, dear skeptical friends. This is Claire Klinenberg, co-organizer of the European Skeptics Congress 2017. This year, the Congress will be held in Wroclaw, Poland on September 22nd to 24th, and it is my absolute pleasure to invite you to attend. Come and listen to talks by James Randi, Susan Gerbic, Mark Linnis, Susan Blackmore, Scott Lilienfeld, and others. Discuss topics like science and religion, pseudoscience and media, paranormal investigation, and more. To buy a ticket and to get more information about the Congress, go to euroskepticscon.org or find us on Facebook. See you there! It never ends. A friend starts talking about his new Reiki master, and someone else just posted about another all-natural cancer cure that they don't want you to know about. As skeptics, we dedicate a lot of time trying to protect those around us. But there's a way that you can reach millions. Guerrilla Skepticism on Wikipedia is a group that is working to keep the best skeptical information at everyone's fingertips in all languages. Join us. Training is self-paced and fun, and we have our very own super-secret Facebook group. You will be educating the world in your sleep. To find out more, email us at gsowteam at gmail.com. Gorilla Skepticism. The time is now. Music by bensound.com. that means that we are approaching the end of our show today and you know what that means Yelena? it means uh you will ask me for a quote <gasps> how did you know right. that you're reading my mind uh, yeah well oh wow it's only been 80 times 81 <laughs> yeah um i've got a very short quote for today Good. from from a from a guy called william shakespeare don't know if you're aware <laughs> mm. Sounds familiar, but mm, yeah, it, don't know anyway, where he, to put him. He was a, a, an English poet. He a wrote poet. couple. He 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 wrote couple things, I guess, back in <laughs> back in the day. And one of the things that uh, Shakespeare said was that modest doubt is called the beacon of the wise, and it was actually part of Trollius and Cressida play. Mm-hmm. Nice, I like that. I think it's. I don't know the play itself, but uh, yeah, no, neither do I. But I think it's highlights mm-hmm. that we keep. We have to keep doubting, questioning. Yeah, but not like crazy. Not like crazy, no. <laughs> Still using our minds. Good. That's what a skeptic does. And uh, what we do now is we conclude the show. And uh, I'd like to thank you for joining me today. It was my pleasure. Thanks, Andres. And hopefully next time Pontus is back. I might not be, but uh, <laughs> he probably will. Well, or... it seems like summertime is pretty busy time for everybody being on out and about on the holidays. So yeah, especially we were trying to do a couple of interviews as well along the way, but it's it's like the craziest time ever that that we've had since we started the show. So uh, we just try our best to cope with this, uh, but uh, we'll try 
try our very best to come back to you dear listeners next week with a new interview episode and until then goodbye goodbye this has been your esp experience the show is produced and recorded by the esp.eu Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at theesp.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe Hi, Hitch. <laughs> Shut up, Hitch. <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, uh, That's good. On July the 4th... <laughs> Sorry.